got your Bibles ready this morning, or your smartphone, or your iPad, whatever you, whatever you use nowadays. I'm a little old-fashioned. I still like to fill the pages. I like to fill the pages in my Bible. It just it helps me. But I know we're living in a different day, so whatever you use, just make sure you use it. Amen. Go with me, if you would, please, to, to the book of Daniel. I'm going to read from several passages of Scripture this morning to kick everything off. Daniel chapter 2. I'm excited about the upcoming events here at New Harvest Church. Listen, on uh, December the 12th, when uh, Ashley and Carly Terrades is going to be here, we need to pack this house out. That Sunday morning, we need to pack it out. And if you know anybody that needs a healing in their life, you need to push on them to get here. I got one amen out of that. I just got one amen out of that. And you really need to help them get here. Amen? It's going to be a powerful time in the house of the Lord. Daniel chapter 2, verse number 20, and Daniel said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs, or the seasons, the same word for seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and the hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Notice in verse number 21, it is God who changes the times and the seasons. You don't get to change them. You get to cooperate with what heaven is doing. It's God who changes the times and the seasons. Now look with me, if you would please, to 2 Samuel. I want to use this as a jumping off text here to get to where we're going. Today's going to be a good day. Already is. I've already sensed the presence of the Lord in the house in such a real way. Somebody's going to get a breakthrough today. I think I heard Pastor Mark say something about a breakthrough a while ago. I like to climb out of my chair. I believe God's going to break some people out today. Amen. Today is a breakthrough day for some people in this place today. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse number 18. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephraim. Then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So David came to Baal Perazim, and he deleted and he defeated them, <laughs> deleted, he defeated them there, and he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named that place Belperazim, and they abandoned their idols there, so David and his men carried them away. Verse number 22. Now the Philistines came up once again, and they spread themselves out in the valley of Rephraim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, he said, you shall not go up directly up, circle around behind them, and come at them in the front of the balsam trees and it shall be when you hear the sound 
of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall act promptly. The King James says, bestir yourself. You shall bestir yourself or act promptly, for then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 20. And David came to Belperazim and defeated them there. And the Lord said, and he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies like the breakthrough of many waters. Last week, we were talking to you about the title of our theme that we're in, Don't Miss Your Moment. I want to continue to talk to you about that this morning. Don't miss your moment. You don't want to miss the moment that you're in right now. There's something in the moment that you're in right now where God wants to provide a breakthrough over your life. Come on, push on to about two or three people and tell them you're standing in a moment. Just tell them you're standing in a moment. Now, just tell them, push on them real good and tell them you're really standing in a moment right here, right now. You're in a moment. It's a moment. You're standing in a moment. You don't want to miss your moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, you're the teacher, you're the revelator, you're the communicator, you're the revealer of all truth. Jesus, we honor you today. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Lord, I thank you today, Lord, that even as while I'm preaching one message, you're preaching hundreds of messages to people. You're speaking to people right where they're at. Lord, let them hear a word in season for their life and for their family and for their generation. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place, and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody together said amen, and amen, and amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. I believe there's a lot of spiritual activity that's being stirred up around our lives. I believe we're living in days of heavy spiritual activity. I also believe that we're living in an hour where the veil, if we could put it that way, the veil between the natural order or the natural realm and the veil between that realm and the supernatural realm or the supernatural order is getting thinner. And the closer we get to him, and the more aware we are of his presence, the thinner that veil becomes. In the kingdom of God, you have to understand today that it's not one side or the other, it's both. The kingdom of God has a balance. It's spirit and truth. There's a balance with that veil. The closer we get, the thinner that veil becomes, and we have to be people who understand that while we are spiritual beings living in a natural world, we can function in both with victory. We can function in both with victory. It's spirit and truth. The kingdom of God has a balance. It's both and. There's a natural order and there's a supernatural order. It's How many know that faith is both practical and spiritual? Yeah? So on one side of the veil in the natural order, you have things like logic. You have things like reasoning or principles. You have things like doctrines and ethics, the practicalities or the how-tos. You have instruction. You have the giving of the law. You have the memorizing of scriptures. 
on one side of the veil with the natural order, you have protocol and you have teaching and you have learning. These things help us connect and they also become concrete. They become unmovable in our lives. That side of the veil, the natural side of the veil, is governed and guided by intellect and knowledge. But then on the other side of the veil, in the realm of the spirit, the spiritual realm, you have movements, you have a flow. On the spiritual side of the veil, you have dreams and visions. You have miracles and signs and wonders and outpourings. You have the evidence of the manifestation of the presence of the Lord. On the spiritual side of the veil, you have things that don't make sense over here on the natural side of the veil. But both are necessary. On the spiritual side of the veil, you're led by revelation. You're led by discernment. And you're led by a knowing. That means that we have to be people that are comfortable with living on both sides of the veil. We have to be people that are comfortable in the natural order, and we have to be people that are comfortable in the spiritual order. And we have to get comfortable as much with the supernatural as we are with the natural. I'm going somewhere if you'll just hang out with me for a moment. You have to be as comfortable living in the supernatural side of God as you are in the natural side of earthly affairs. And the more you get comfortable with what God is doing in the earth, the more you'll see the supernatural becoming more powerful. Because the closer you get to him, the thinner that veil becomes. And for many, for many years now, Christianity in America has been camping on the wrong side of the veil. And we've lost our edge when it comes to the supernatural things of God. Understand now, we're not, we're not excluding uh, teaching and doctrine and instructions. The, the, those things are good, but by themselves, they're not good enough. There has to be a both and. There has to be a natural side, and there has to be a supernatural side. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6, that we are ministers of the new covenant because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Are you tracking with me so far? There has to be a balance in our life. You, you are more, in fact, if you broke it down, you are more spiritual than you are natural. What lives forever is not your body. What lives forever is your spirit. And when you begin to understand that we are spirit beings having a physical experience, we will begin to understand that the powers of God are never limited just because of a natural order. If we, if, we, if we ever have an encounter, I'm just going to work out a few concepts and then we'll preach it through. If we ever have an encounter, this will be on the screen, with the person of Jesus, then the principle, if we never have an encounter with the person of Jesus, then the principles of Jesus loses its power to keep us. You have to have this supernatural encounter with him because you can know principles. But if you never experience Jesus on the other side of the veil, then we lose our potential from moving in the realm of the spirit. There has to be more than just knowledge. There has to be more than just doctrine. 
there has to be more than just the memorizing of Scripture. Come on, talk to me for a moment. That there has to be more than just the how-tos and the practicalities. There has to be an experience with the living Savior that keeps the principles of Jesus alive in our hearts. Because you can have all the how-tos and the doctrines and the memorization of Scriptures, but if you never encounter Him, if you never encounter the person, then everything over here stays in the natural order. But once you find out that you can have an ongoing experience with the living Savior, then everything over here begins to make sense over here, and you begin to realize that what I'm learning in the natural is keeping me tied in the realm of the Spirit. We're living in a day where there's a lot of people in our culture, and I'm just going to call it out for a few moments. There's a lot of people in our culture that claim that they love God. There's a lot of people in our culture that claim that they acknowledge God, but their lifestyle does not reflect what they say. There's a lot of people who talk about God, but that doesn't mean they're walking with God. Jesus said it best in John, John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, then you would obey me. If you love me, you would keep my commandments. I'm just telling you, you're living in a confused, upside-down, crazy world. And if you're not careful, the church will begin to look like the world that we're called to deliver. And you got to be careful when people say, well, I love God, but yet but your lifestyle does not reflect what you love because all you're doing is living on the natural order of things. And I just dare say, maybe you need an encounter. Maybe you need an experience with the living God because I am convinced if you ever have that experience with him, your life will never be the same again. Once you have a genuine encounter with the Most High God, once you really know and, and are empowered by Jesus, Jesus Christ, everything in your life gets shifted to something better. And you can claim that you know God. You can grow up in church and say, well, I know about God. You can know the how-tos and the practicalities. But if you don't have a living, ongoing experience with Jesus, then your life is wishy-washy. You're up and down. You're like a roller coaster. There, 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 there are people, and I see it, I see it. I may, may, I probably need to get off the social media because it just, it just, it makes me want to preach certain things. They're, they're serving God based on their terms versus his terms. They want God's blessings. They just don't want his commandments. They want his, they, they want him in their life. They just don't want him to run their life. I'm just not saying this today. You're not going to make it in this 21st century jacked up world without an experience with Jesus Christ. You wonder why our churches in America are struggling? It's because we no longer have room for altars anymore. You know what, why young people are struggling in their identity? Because they don't know the true identity of who they are in Christ. Because they, they just struggle. Do you know that, that, that they're, they're, they're in this generation that there are more Young people, the, the millennial group who, who proclaim to have uh, the, 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 their, uh, their tr not transgender, but their, what do you call it? Their, uh, oh, Lord, I just lost it there. They, 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 they identify with the LGBTQ, QRSTW, what, you know, they, they, they identify more on that side than they do with their true identity. And, and it's because they live in a world of confusion. And, 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 and I'm not just talking about non-believers. I'm talking about believers. 
And it's because they have not, listen, you can say all you want to say, but if your lifestyle does not reflect the how-tos, the doctrines, and the instruction of scriptures, you are just one level living. You are just on one side of the veil. But the closer you get to him and the closer he gets to you, you'll find out that there's a supernatural side. And you may have tendencies with whatever, but by the time you encounter Jesus Christ, God will begin to work through your life and begin to break things off. And so for so long, for so long now, the church culture in America has not learned how to balance the veil. And we lived on the side of the veil with all of our doctrines and our verses and our logic and our books and our protocols, but we're lacking the experience. In fact, when the Apostle Paul came to the church at Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, guys, if you'll throw that up there for me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, and when he came to them, he said, my message and my preaching was not in persuasive words of wisdom, but it came to you in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Watch it, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. What we need in our generation, I'm going to be a little old-fashioned with you for a moment. What we need in our generation is we need preachers who will learn how to preach the gospel and don't care who they upset, don't care who they offend. Because we have, we have tried to articulate the gospel in the natural order. We tried to win people over by being friends and buddies and all this stuff while we are losing a generation. And Paul said, I'm coming to you not with articulation. I'm not coming to you with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but I'm coming to you in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what we need in our churches today? Let me break it down. You know what we need in New Harvest today? We need a old-fashioned Holy Ghost outpouring where people are touched by the power of God so that when they leave the altar, they don't leave the same way they came to the altar. You may have come in here bound, messed up, broken, and bruised, but by the time the presence of God really gets inside your heart, you will never leave the same way you came in. And we are missing that in this generation because we have tried to articulate the gospel in such a manner that pleases the flesh of men. But I'm trying to to tell you there's a power that can come into your life there's an experience that can come into your life and move you to the things of God push on somebody and tell them don't miss your moment now don't miss your moment I'm gonna get there there must be more than just teaching I'm waiting on more amens than that and, and, and don't, don't rule it out. We, we need doctrine. We need teaching. We need learning. We need, we need protocol. And if you've been hanging around here long enough, I've been preaching this thing from this pulpit right here for 21 years. I, I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to water nothing down. I, I'm just saying, you've you got to come more than once a month to figure that out. There's a movement that God wants to birth in the body of Christ. There's something that God wants to give birth to, and it's not about what you read on the pages. It's what those pages become on the inside of you that begin to point to the reality that there's a Savior, there's a God. There is a more than enough kind of God that can work in your life. So there has to be something more than just the protocols. I mean, even our church services have become weak. 
Come on, come on. I, I, I'm taking that on the chin too. Our church services have become weak because we try to appease everybody. We want everybody to get in and get out as fast as we can. God help us if we go like one minute after 12. I know we need to put a pee break in here somewhere, but we're going to have to work on it, all right? Huh? But, 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 but ain't none of y'all complaining about them football games you're watching? Huh? Alabama, what, what four, four overtimes? Huh? Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Huh? We, we know more about the Dolphins than we do God. I, I know born-again men who know more stats and sports figures than they do about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They think the epistles was the apostles' wives. <laughs> there has to be this encounter. Let me just push on it for a minute. Look at your name and say, loosen up a little bit. Just loosen up. How is it that you can say you love God, but you're not attached to what God loves? You know what God loves? His bride. You know who he's married to? His bride. You know who the bride is? His church. How can you say you love God, but you only hardly ever get here? Huh? You know, you know what you are? You are fake. Somebody said that this morning. It, when the real shows up, everything else gets exposed. Huh? But that's the, that's the thing that needs to happen in our American churches. We have to get back to the place where we understand that there is a real God that's a living God that can live on the inside of me. And he begins to expose the weaknesses of my life. He begins to convict me. That's an old-fashioned word. Don't use conviction in modern-day terminology because, I, you, know, after every, you know, after all, we don't want to offend nobody. Can I tell you something? The gospel is offensive. I'm going to tell you, the, the, the gospel, Jesus said, I, did, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. I came to cut something. Huh? I came to cut away the flesh. I came to cut away the pride. I came to cut away the sin. I came to cut things out of your life that don't need to be in your life because it's like a disease. It'll destroy you. Jesus said it best in Matthew, or, or Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1, verse number 1, when, when they were talking about Jesus, the Bible says, and Jesus began to do and teach. Notice the order. Jesus did something first, and then he taught about what he did. We're trying to teach people something and never get to the doing nothing. <laughs> huh? So there has to come a point or a time. Come on, look at your name and say, you got to recognize your moment now. There has to come a time in your life when we want God to do something more than our personal realm of experiences. This side of the veil deals with a flow. It deals with a sensing, a knowing, the spiritual side. You can know something over here that you have not learned over here. You can know something by the spirit that you have not learned by the natural. Because there's a flow, there's a moving. And I believe we're living in a time, we're living in a moment where discernment needs to be made at what God is doing in this hour. What's at stake is a whole generation. We've got a whole generation at stake right now. And if we're not careful, we're going to lose a generation. We're going to lose a whole generation. 
We're going to sacrifice a whole generation, and we can't blame it on the devil. We have to take inward inventory. What did I do on my watch? What did I do to be the keeper of the flame in my day? So, so we're standing in this moment where we need discernment to what God is doing in this hour and understand that it's just a moment. It's just a window. It's a window of opportunity to experience God in a brand new way. In John chapter 5, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord would come down and he would stir the waters. It was a moment. He didn't come all the time. He came at certain seasons, the Bible said. At certain seasons, the angel of the Lord would visit the waters. And whoever could get in that water would be healed. But you had to get in there first. I believe we ought to have church services where we begin to say, who's the first one to come to the altar and just climb over somebody's back to get there? Who's the, one, who's the first one that wants to get here on time and see the power of God move? Who begins to pray before you get here? They begin to worship before you get here. I got three of y'all clapping. The rest of y'all saying, Lord, don't let it be me. <laughs> that means we have to be spiritually, oh, watch this now, awakened. This will be on the screen, to what God is doing in our time. We have to be spiritually awakened to what God is doing in our moment. Now, let me just break this down for a few moments. There are two Greek words for time in the New Testament. Now, I know some of you know these things, but this is for the trying to catch everybody up on the same page at the same time. There are two Greek words for time in the New Testament. One of them is chronos, which refers, this will be on the screen, which refers to general time, everyday time, chronological time. It's like the time on the clock, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It's a non-strategic general season of everyday routine. It's that season that keeps occurring. It's the mundane or the ordinary time of every day, every week, every month, and every year. That's one of the words for time. Then you have the other word for time is kairos, which means the appointed time in the purposes of God. It's a time when God acts. It refers to the strategic time or the opportune time or the right time or the now time. Somebody shout now. For example, when a woman becomes pregnant, she spends nine months in chronos, just everyday time. Nine months in chronos while that baby is being developed. That's chronos. But when they move her into the delivery room and she gives birth, she just went from chronos to kairos because it became a moment, an opportunity for something to be born. Now, now, now watch this. This is be on the screen. I'm just teach it just for a moment. These are not two different times. They are just different phases of the same process. Track with me for a moment. Chronos and Kairos are not two different times. They're just two different processes of a phase. You can't have a Kairos without a Chronos. Because the new is always connected to the old. In fact, the new kairos is what happens in the old chronos. Kairos, the now time, is born out of chronos, the everyday time. 
Are you still tracking with me? So, so here's the problem. Sometimes because chronos is extended beyond our time, natural thinking, we lose expectation and therefore we abort the process prematurely. When we don't think God is moving at the time we think he should be moving, we'll get weary in chronos and we'll begin to quit in chronos everyday time, the non-strategic time. We'll get bored in chronos. But what happens is when you quit in chronos, you have just nullified the power of kairos. God can't have a time without the everyday time. And if you, watch this, if you avoid the process, then you never experience the new. You never experience the, the, the strategic time of God, the now time of God, the movements of God. And so many people I know in the body of Christ, we think, well, we should be here. We should be doing this. We should be a little further down the road. And we get tripped up over what ain't happening versus what is, what is God doing in my time now? See, and we have arrived at a place in God, watch this now, where we all have to learn to trust the overall timing of the Lord. You have to learn how to trust the timing of God in your life. Because if you don't trust the process of God's timing in your life, you will abort your chronos. And when you abort chronos, you have just forfeited the power of Kairos. That's why you can't quit in the mundane. Come on, if you want to see a successful marriage, ask them how do they make it. Well, they just had to work through the mundane. They had to work through the non-strategic times. They had to quit. They, 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 had, to, they had to keep loving each other when they didn't feel like loving each other. Trying to hold my peace here and not look at anybody special right now. You just, you just have to keep showing up and say, I don't need a wedding ring on my finger to remind me that I'm married. I am married by covenant. I am married. And sometimes I don't feel like I'm married. But I just know that I am married. So I just keep working it out in chronos, and it won't be long, baby. Kairos will show up. Y'all way too spiritual for me today. It's, it's a moment. And I, I believe the body of Christ is missing a moment because we can't find God in chronos. We're looking for kairos. We're looking for that now time. We're looking for that now manifestation because we live in a culture that says, if you want it, go get it. We live in a culture where it's microwave whatever. Just go get it right now. Fast food, whatever. But how many know when y'all were at Thanksgiving, you were cooking that turkey or ham, you couldn't put that bad boy in the microwave. It had to take some time to bake. Huh? So this side of the veil over here, the spiritual side, deals in kairos. It's a moment when certain things occur that could not have occurred before had there not been a chronos. You can't get a healing, a breakthrough, or a deliverance over here in Kairos if you left chronos. 
I'm just trying to break it down so we understand because I won't preach this thing in a minute, I hope. It's the moment, it's that space provided by God to have an experience. It's your moment when a door or a window has been opened up over your life. That's Kairos. And it came because you were faithful in Kronos. It came when it didn't make sense over here. But you just kept working it. You just kept believing. You just kept praying. You just kept fasting. You just kept giving. You just, you just stayed in faith. You just kept persevering in the non-strategic time. Even the early Greek philosophers knew that kairos was a term that was attached to rhetoric, language, or speech. It was something that, that, that words that came out of a person's mouth, meaning that if you could discern the moment and get up in that moment, in that opportunity, you could influence that moment with your words. That's a kairos moment. That's an opportunity. You, you can say something and release a moment that wasn't there until you said something. Woo, that's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say something. Let them say so. That's why when we come in here for praise and worship, I'm trying to help us to understand it's not the preliminary to the preaching. When we come in here for praise and worship, we don't need 10% participation. We need 100% participation on board. When the song says we ought to lift up our hands, you shouldn't be there holding on the backside of your chair. You ought to be lifting up your hands. You ought to be moving. You ought to be wiggling something. You ought to be giving God praise. Your mouth ought to be saying something in the atmosphere because if you don't, then you have just become uh, an island to yourself. And what you are doing, you say, well, I don't need all that. Well, maybe you don't, but somebody down your road might need to hear your praise. Maybe somebody next to you may need to hear what God is doing in your life you can't just sit there like a statue the Bible says I will open up my mouth and give God praise let everything that has breath give him praise if you're breathing in here you qualify to give him praise you can't just act like he ain't never done nothing for you that's called being faithful in chronos because when you're wanting God to break through when you're wanting God to move when you need a miracle in your life when you need a deliverance happening in your day you can't just sit there and act like it's just going to come because I want it to come. It's going to come because you have initiated the movements of God over your life. So you have to be energetic. You have to stay in tune with what God is doing. You, you, can't, you can't just ignore the fact that, well, I just came to church. That ought to be good enough. No, that's why your life is in the cycle now because everything is just good enough. You don't get to praise God the way you want to praise God. You got to praise God the way he wants you to praise him. Well, I'm an American. I do it the way I want to do it. That's the problem. It's an American gospel that has brought us to our knees. And we're watching the enemy run roughshod over an entire nation because the church has lost its voice. It's a moment. You're standing in a moment. And I cannot preach it any harder than what I'm feeling right now. I believe the church in America is standing in a moment. And if we just be idle, if we just say, well, it don't matter. I'm just tired. I'm tired of going through chronos. I'm just 
tired of showing up. I'm tired of the 10 o'clock. I'm tired of the 11 o'clock. I'm tired of the 12.30 service. I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. We need, we need something more than just being tired of going through the motions. We have to show God. God, you can depend on me. God, you can. Come on, that's what happened to Job when Satan came up to God. He said, he, God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God was bragging on him. He said, yeah, I looked at him, but you put a hedge around him. He said, if you'll take the hedge away, he'll curse you and die. God said, I'm going to remove the hedge, but he ain't going to curse me. He's going to learn how to praise me. He's going to learn how to worship me. Some of you might be in a Job moment where you feel like your whole world is flipped upside down. It ain't that God has abandoned you. Maybe God's bragging on you a little bit. Maybe God's got more faith in you than you have in him. And he's looking for somebody to begin to understand that what I'm going through is training ground for what I'm about to possess. What I'm fighting now is about to be the crown of victory that I'm about to wear on the other side of my promise. I know I've got some giants in the land, but I was built for this hour. I was built for the day in which I've been called. I've been anointed for this moment. And I refuse to hang my head down and act like the enemy's got the upper hand. I see the news. I read the news. I got it going on just like you do. But at the end of the day, I just want to say back, let every man be a liar. Let every devil be a liar. But to let the word of God be held true. So this should come as a great encouragement to you because if you're in Kronos time, it may look like it's non-strategic. It may look like nothing's happening. It may be a, a season where everything's just like, it's like, everything's just tedious. It's just, I'm just plowing. I'm just standing. I'm just believing. Tuesday night prayer, we're just praying. We just keep praying. Well, y'all prayed about the same thing. Well, until something shakes, what else are we going to pray for? But we just keep showing up and praying. While some of y'all sitting at the house watching TV. Y'all ain't got to love me today. In two weeks you'll have a better preacher in here and he'll fix it. Huh? It ain't got that bad in America yet. Because you can still stay home and watch TV. But there's some people that are showing up and saying, you know what, we're going to keep pressing. Because I ain't satisfied with what I got. I'm not satisfied with what I see. I can't let that the enemy just keep running roughshod over my generation when I've got an anointing to do something about it. So it should come as a great encouragement. It may be a frustrating time. It may even be an uneventful or unimportant time. But just keep pressing on. Keep showing up. Do what is necessary when ain't nobody looking. I bet you if we took time to read, I don't know how they do it. Pastor Corey have to show me, but I guess on your phone, you got the, in settings, you can find out how much screen time you got. Is that how you say it? Screen time. That means how many times you've went on social media, looked at your phone. I bet you some of y'all got 5, 10, 15 hours a day. Everybody checking, like, oh, Lord, where am I going? Can you imagine what that kind of time would have done in his presence? Can you imagine? It, just, just take out the five hours a day. 
Just if you just put five minutes a day in the Word. Well, I ain't got time. Well, you sure enough had time on your screen for social media. Y'all ain't going to love me today, but I came to stir it up. It may be a frustrating time. It may be an uneventful time. But you have to do what is necessary if you want to see the Kairos moment. That's why Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary or lose heart in doing good. For in due time, Kairos, time, Kairos. For in Kairos time, we will reap if we faint not. Huh? If you just keep showing up for battle, Kairos is coming. Kairos is going to be there. You just got to weather the storm. It's like making homemade biscuits, something I know a lot about. Everybody knows me like laughing, like, yeah, right. The flour by itself don't taste good. Neither does the baking powder or the shortening or all the other ingredients. But when you put them together, hmm, them cathead biscuits come out. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Take that thumb and stick it down in the middle, put some syrup in there. Kronos is like all the ingredients. It's tasteless. It's not all that great. But after time, in the oven, Kairos is born, and a biscuit appears that's good for the soul, makes the heart merry. <laughs> Y'all know I'm quoting scriptures way out of context. See, on one side of the veil is chronos. It's the ingredients, the mundane, the everything. Don't taste all that great. But by the time God gets through with your chronos, kairos is coming. Amen. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to them who are called according to His purpose. So, so over here, chronos don't look all that good by itself. But by the time God gets through with my time in Kronos, he's taking everything to work out for my good. It don't look good right now in Kronos, but God ain't finished with what he started. He's still working it out. And it's just a matter of time before Kronos is born. It's coming. It's the power. I'm on this thing because I believe that right here in Sugartown, in the Glades region, there could be such a movement of God that people will fly in from all over the world just to participate in the movement of God. Not that they would stay. They would go back to their own places and take it back. But I just believe that God wants to do something right here, right here in our day, right here in our time. Some of you, some of you got children and grandchildren. You need to let them see a move of God in your day. Something has to happen. Something has to break. God doesn't totally start all over when Kairos comes, it's the overall agenda that God is working with because they're, the, they're, the, they're, 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 they're two different times but coming out of the same process. He, simps, he simply takes us through one phase of a process which our perseverance and faithfulness have allowed him to shift us to the next phase because it is God who changes the times and the seasons. You don't get to change the times and the seasons. I don't get to change it. 
It's God who changes the times and the seasons. And the seasons over our life change in chronos when we are prepared to handle kairos. Preaching better than you're shouting. Much of our life is lived out in chronos. It's just tasteless. It's the mundane. It's the everyday. It's just the tough times. But God is combining the ingredients together. And it won't be long before the shift happens. And it's important to realize that our actions and our attitudes in chronos determines whether or not God can shift us into a kairos. Let me break it down. If you're complaining about your time now, you are forfeiting your kairos moment then. You ever had them Christians around you, they just don't like nothing around them? I don't know why I got to go through all this. I don't know why all this is happening to me. I'm just going through all this. It's just, you, you complaining. You know what? God let the children of Israel stay in that desert another 40 years until they all died because of their murmuring and complaining. God said, I won't ever give you a kairos. I'll let you die off, and I'll raise it up to another generation. Woo, y'all ain't liking me today. I don't feel no love in the building today. I'm going to have to just watch the lights. David on the backside of a desert, Kronos. Wasn't nobody giving him no attention. Just on the backside of the desert, taking care of his father's sheep, getting up every day, taking care of the sheep, Kronos. Just being faithful with his assignment. Nothing exciting about watching sheep eat. Graze across the mountainside. Ain't exciting. Huh? They, it's, it's, like, it's like Cecil out there on the cow, cattle range watch, watching cows eat all day. There ain't nothing exciting about that. Ain't nothing exciting about watching an animal eat. Chronos. Nothing exciting about the everyday time. Nothing exciting. No, no, no strategic time. Nothing being born. Nothing being shifted. But just being faithful in the season that I'm in. Being faithful to the assignment and the call on my life for the season that I'm in. Just showing up every day, being faithful with the assignment and the season that I'm in. <laughs> I'm waiting for a few more amens to let me know that I can move on. I'm just being faithful with where I'm called to right now. I'm just, I'm just showing up, loving God, doing what he called me to do, looking beyond everything that's going on around me. It's boring, non-strategic, but I'm just going to be faithful. Because it's God who changes the times and the seasons. I don't have nothing to do with it, but I can't be faithful with what I have in my hands right now. Then if you stay faithful long enough, God will put a Goliath on the scene. A Goliath will show up. Come on, Goliath is Kairos. God will put a Goliath in the middle of your battle. And he'll say, okay, now is the time. Go ahead and go take his head off. See, some of you right now are in a Kronos moment. It's the everyday time. But I'm trying to tell you, Goliath is about to show up. And you're not going to be wasting time. You're about to split his head open. And you're about to see the power of God move. Because God is not going to abandon people who are being faithful. Amen. Don't lose the moment that we're standing in. I need to hurry. Time is out, my Lord. What time did y'all give it to me today? Like 11.30? There comes a moment when we understand that I can't keep missing what God is doing strategically in my life right now. I have to be obedient in the season 
that I'm in right now. I have to honor God and love God in the season when there's nobody that recognizes me. I know you can spend an hour trying to get that selfie and then spend another hour trying to put filters on it, trying to get your lights. But at the end of the day, you don't feel worth you don't you don't feel you don't feel worthy of anything. But when God shifts the chronos time to an opportune time, Kairos, something begins to shift. And once it shifts, watch me now, once it's shifted, you never go back to that particular season again. And what I'm trying to say over this house, God's trying to shift this church to a brand new dimension in him where we will never live on this level anymore again. We will never live in this season anymore again. God's shifting us. That's why this whole battle about a new building and all that. Do you realize in just a couple more months our entire school building is going to be paid off? Everything that we got is going to be paid off and it has nothing to do with church funds? All that's going to be paid off? Do you know in the gym that we own downtown, do you know just in a matter of about one more year, that whole building and everything inside that gym will be paid off and it has nothing to do with church funds? But it didn't just happen overnight. We've been working on it for years. It's just non-strategic time, but we just keep showing up in the building process that we're trying to build a brand new building. You think it's for you. No, it's for generations to come. We're just going to do our part. We're going to make sure that we do our part so that by the time we get in there, there's going to be a glory that's resident so that people can come in there from the north, the south, the east, and the west and feel the power of God. It's just strategic times when God begins to move and things begin to shift. Come on, look at somebody next to you. Say, your life will never be the same when it shifts. So we have to seize the moment. Some of y'all got that turkey look on you, like you ate too much turkey. You're still trying to get over it. You have to seize the moment, and we have to do something with our faith. Because you can't exclude faith in chronos. It takes faith to live out Kronos, and it takes faith to, to embrace Kairos. Because when Kairos comes, it means you've never been there before. When the children of Israel was in the wilderness, Kronos, it was easy. Manna from heaven, water from a rock, pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. When they wanted some meat, God sent a wind, blew a bunch of quail in till it ran out the nostrils of their nose. That's in your Bible. It was easy. It was just chronos time. They just, they just everyday time, just standing in there, just, just showing up every day. But here's something about easy that you got to understand. Easy will keep you stuck. They, they, they didn't have to believe God for nothing. He just did it for them. That's why in order for our faith to grow, there needs to be a context. There needs to be a circumstance. There has to be a situation, a framework, or an environment that challenges us to grow beyond where we are right now. Faith demands a context. You will never know that he can deliver you from the fiery furnace. You will never know that he could be the fourth man in the middle of the fire unless you were in the fire. 
You would never know that he could deliver you from the hungry den of lions. Come on, Daniel, unless you were in a hungry den of lions. You would never know that he could divide the Red Sea unless you had a Red Sea, Moses. So God provides a context. You would never know, Sarah, that you could be making babies at 90 years old. Some of the ladies said, oh, God. Making babies at 90 years old. But God had to provide a context. You can make them when you're 30, but what about when you're 90? Not only are you old, but you're barren. Nobody know, would know that you could find favor with the king unless you were willing to put it all on the line. Come on, Esther. When you're willing to go after God with everything you got. And let me just say this. Some of our past two years of experiences with the, the coronavirus, now we got all these variants out there, right? All these variants that are going on. You had the, you had the Delta variant, the Alpha, the Beta uh, variants. Now you got the, the, the Omicross. Is that how you say it? The Omicross. You got all these variants. You got all this that's working on. But you know what that was? God's providing the context. I know y'all not going to say that. God has provided a context for our faith. Because watch this. What if the variants don't go away? What are we going to do? We're going to quit living? We're going to quit being the church? We're going to set it in our house and just give it up? No. What if they never go away? Let me tell you something that's stronger than a variant. It's called the blood. It's called the blood of Jesus. It's stronger than any variant that's out there. And sooner or later, God is letting us know, I put a context around you to let you know that you can faith it out in that context. And it may not always turn out the way that you want it to. But at the end of the day, I am the one who changes your time and your seasons but you got to be faithful in the mundane some of our experiences these past two years was a context for our faith and I'll just be honest with you there's people in here today that are not here because of the past two years context it knocked them out of the race it doesn't mean that God don't love them it's just knocked them out of the race but I'm not talking to them I'm talking to us what are we going to do? <laughs> so at times God provides a context with the most ridiculous, illogical, strange, abstract, intangible, non-figurative, theoretical instructions that's not affixed to anything within the reasoning of our mind. That's why we have to learn how to get through the veil. Because over here, it's the how-tos and the practicality. It's the logic and it's the reasoning of the mind. It's where we operate on intellect, wisdom, and knowledge. But over here, there's a knowing. There's a revelation. And we need to remember that Jesus is not only our Savior, but he's the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. I'm going to tell somebody, don't miss your moment. I'm going to get ready to close right here. I want to stir something up over our hearts today that I believe that this is why we're here today. God provides and allows a context. This will be on the screen. In the glaring face of a negative reality where faith can appropriate the courage to lock into the integrity of God's promises. That's what God provides. We've come too far to give up now. Right? Mary 
You're going to have a baby. Why Mary? Why, why pick on Mary, a young teenager? Peter, launch out into the deep and cast your net out on the other side. Why the other side? God's providing the context. Naaman, go dip seven times in the muddy Jordan River. Are not the waters of Urbana and Fafar, the waters of Israel? Why, why do I have to go all the way to Damascus to do all that? Why can't I just do it right here? Don't matter. Just go do what I say. I'm providing the context. Blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I'm just providing the context. Elisha, I want you to dig a ditch, but don't look for the wind or the rain to fill it. I'm going to fill it. It's a context. Rahab, tie a red rope in the window. Why a red rope? It's a context, Rahab. Samson, go pick a fight with Philistines. Take on a thousand of them with the jawbone of a donkey. Why a jawbone? It's a context. David run after Goliath with nothing but a, a slingshot and a rock. It's just the context, David. I just want you to show up in the context. Israel, march around Jericho and shout until the walls fall. Why we got to shout? It's a context. And it's not about the thing. It's not about the thing that's at hand. It's not, it's not about the crazy instructions that God is asking us to do. It's beyond the thing. It's just the context. God wants to use the context to prove the integrity of who he is based on the faith that we allow him to flow through with. And so God is providing. I'm telling you, everybody's hung up on the coronavirus. It's a context for the body of Christ to begin to move in the earth like never before. How much, listen, we've had signs and wonders with people getting out of wheelchairs. We've had signs and wonders with people being healed of cancer. Wait until you start seeing signs and wonders when people who had coronavirus and they begin to get healed by the power of an almighty God. It's a context to show the world, to show the world I didn't have to go through treatment. God touched my life. God ministered to my life. God is providing the church a context. Because how many know that if, if God can kill a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey, he don't need a jawbone. <laughs> if David can kill a Goliath with a rock, he don't need a rock. If a shout can bring down the walls, God don't need a shout. It's just our spirit connecting with his spirit. It's our world connecting with his world and providing a context for the things of God to shine through. That's why the church has to be careful that the voice of God doesn't become reduced in the land. You had to be careful. Let me just break it down. It don't need, you need to be careful that it doesn't become reduced in your family. The greatest light in your family is you. The greatest witness to your family is you. Not the church, it's you. Not the preacher, it's you. It's not the worship, it's you. You're the greatest witness. The greatest witness to your children is not what they happens in Sunday school or whatever. It's what happens in your home. Amen. So my faith is not a philosophy. My faith is not academic. My faith is not a thought. My faith is, is not static. My faith is dynamic. My faith is a movement. Amen? So in our text, I'm going to close right here. Come on, Pastor Porter. In our text... We have to realize the enemies have come against David. And he's coming to test David's military strength and skills. The Bible says that they were camped in the Valley of Rephraim. The Valley of Rephraim was near Jerusalem. It was literally the land 
that was possessed and occupied by giants, by a race of giants. That's what the, the Valley of Rephraim was. And David gets a word. He says, when you hear the sound, stir yourself up. When you hear a sound, that's your sign to let you know that I've already gone before you. And here's where we as the people of God need to get it. When you hear the sound, it's not time to be quiet. When you hear the sound, it's not time to be still. You have to respond. King James said you got to be stirred. Same word for stir. you got to stir yourself up. Because we have the capacity in us to generate a momentum for victory if we can just learn how to stir ourselves up. If we can just stir ourselves up in the chronos time. Kairos is coming. But we have to stir ourselves up. The Bible says we read it, 2 Samuel 5, 24. And it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching of the trees, act promptly, bestir yourself. For the Lord has gone out before you and has struck or and will strike your enemies. That word literally means to decide. Bestir means to decide, to determine, to be decisive, to move. We have to be decisive in the hour in which we're living. If you'd be honest with me, how many of you have ever been mad at somebody? How many of you ever got stirred up say, wait until I see him? Huh? Got mad at somebody on the job? The whole time while you're getting dressed to go to work, wait until I see him. I bet I tell them something. Some of y'all way too holy for me. I bet I say something. You sitting there brushing your teeth and you can't even hardly keep your mouth shut. You just talking to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them all. I'm gonna tell them. I'm gonna let them know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. Let them say something. You know what you're doing? You're stirring yourself up. You're just getting all worked up. You're stirring yourself up. How many's ever been been mad at your children? Say it again. Say it again. I bet you won't back talk me like that again. Say it again. I'll plaster your lips up against that wall. Say it again. Say, uh, come on, talk to me. You're just getting stirred up. Well, listen, if that works in, in the natural order, if you can stir yourself up in a natural order, think what you would look like in the spiritual order. When the enemy comes in and he starts messing with your property, he starts messing with your possessions, he starts messing with your babies, he starts messing with your marriage, he starts messing with your city, he starts messing with your generation. You start to say, say it again. I'm about to put a word on it. I'm about to put a praise over it. Say it again. I'm about to step in the middle of this battlefield because I hear something. I'm about to get stirred up. I hear something in the realm of the spirit and it don't make no sense over here, but it makes all kind of sense in my spirit and I just feel like God is about to stir this house up come on push on somebody tell them you got to get stirred up come on you you need a bell parasome you need a breakthrough you need a God that knows how to deliver you need a bell parasome moment where God begins to show up hey I know I know I know listen let me let me do this because I, I know I know I I felt this all day. I felt it going into this. I know it's 12, 18. I know what time it is. But I'm pushing beyond time right now. I'm pushing into something right now. And I know it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Day, but that's the problem in America. We just, we dictate the moves of God based on how we feel, based on what God wants to do. 
Well, I'll just, because, you know, when, it, when everybody's happy and everybody's up, then it's easy to have a flowing and a good moving of the Spirit and all that. But I'm just telling you, what happens when you don't feel like it? What happens when you're just in chronos and non-strategic time, but you got to start stirring yourself up? you got to start speaking to yourself. So this is what we're going to do because I'm just going to stir it up for a moment, and I'm just going to release the will of God over our lives. But you're just in this place today. Say, so you know what? I'm about to get stirred up against my enemies because I believe I'm about to, I'm at a pair I'm at a bell perilous moment right here. I don't want to miss the moment that I'm in. And I believe God is about to break through my enemies like the breakthrough of many waters. God is about to crush the enemies of my life. God is about to show up over the affairs of my life. Come on, if you believe that while they just begin to play, I want you just to run up here to the altar. And I just want us to have a prayer together. Come on, one, two, three. You're ready for that moment to happen. You're ready. Come on, you're ready for a bell don't walk. Don't listen. I'm telling you, you need to run. You need to get up here while the spirit is moving, while the spirit is being tied to something right now. You've been in Chronos, but it's time for Kairos. Hallelujah. You say, well, I came up here last week. We're going to have an altar call every Sunday. We're going to push on this thing until it begins to break off of people's lives. I am tired of the mundane. I'm tired of the relentless working of the flesh. I believe God is about to break through over people's lives. In the name of Jesus. In the, come on, you've been stuck. You've been stagnant. You've been stale. But now is a moment. Don't miss your moment. <laughs> 